welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. Uh, before we get started, I want to tell you about a special meet and greet that we are doing at NBA Summer League. It is with the No Dunks guys and the Athletic NBA show cast. We're going to be at the Bet MGM Sportsbook at the MGM Grand on Saturday, July 8th at 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, come hang out with us. We can uh, talk basketball, we can shake some hands, have a good time. So if you're going to be in Vegas for Summer League, come to this meet and greet where you can hang out with the whole cast of the Athletic NBA show and no dunks. So be there, be square. Uh, with me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up, man? Hi, Andrew. Hello, and special guest, James Herbert of CBS Sports, here to talk about free agency. James, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so let's start here. It's been, there's been a lot of deals, a lot of, a lot of to just to take in. I'm a little overwhelmed. But James, tell me what has kind of struck you the most over the last few hours. I think the two deals that have made my eyes bulge the most were the ones given out to Fred Van Vliet and Bruce Brown. Um, And I think both of them, if you just look at the numbers, you're like, oh, like that they're overpaid. Um, But I get it in both cases, just based on what those teams were trying to do this summer, what those teams needed. Um, You have to like kind of get over the sticker shock though, because I don't think Mm -hmm. you look at Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown generally and think like, yeah, 22 and a half million a year. Um, And the Van Vliet thing, it was like over the course of the last few days, I think people had sort of gotten used to the idea like, all right, he's going to get like two years at the max. It's going to be kind of crazy, but it's going to be short term. And then it comes out and it's actually three years. And it's just sort of like, like a bit stunning. Um, yeah, but I mean, he, he played it exactly the way he should. Like he made the Rockets and Raptors get into a bidding war and the Rockets went out there and they won it and they won it decisively. Um, so those are, I mean, honestly, like having interacted with those two guys written about those two guys over the years, like I'm personally extremely happy for them. It's just looking at those numbers. It's kind of just like, wow. Yeah. It, It feels like there is a ton of pressure on Van Vliet to help deliver this Rockets team from where they've been the past few years. Is he, I mean, you, you knowing him and being, you know, writing about him over the years, is he somebody that you think can come in and take on like a true leadership role that they need him to? I think absolutely. He is a born leader. Even when he came in as like a rookie and he wasn't really playing. Um, he was a guy that like assumed somewhat of a leadership role sort of behind the scenes in Toronto. Obviously that grew and grew as he became an important part of the team and a champion and all-star and the rest of it. Um, but he has been sort of a natural leader his whole life. He's not afraid to get on guys. He also 
um, is the kind of person that can like, you know, be encouraging to guys when they're going through something or not playing super well. He's a super mature guy. He handles his business extremely professionally off the court. And he's also like the point guard of the team. He's going to get them organized Mm -hmm. and no team in the NBA needed an organizer more than the Houston Rockets. Like if you watch them last year, a lot of talent, complete mess. Uh, I the one guy I feel bad for is Steven Silas that he didn't get to coach a Rockets team that had like any right. semblance of leadership on it and didn't have yeah. a, a point guard like Van Vliet on it. Um, it is I, I don't think it's you know coincidence that Ime Udoka uh, was like you know reportedly pushing for this guy behind the scenes as opposed to some of the other options because he's going to come in he's going to play hard as hell defensively um he's going to kind of set the tone on that end and i think he'll be a culture builder for the rockets in the next few years having said that i look at the rest of the roster as currently constructed and i'm not like all right van vliet will just fix everything i want to see how else they spend this money um obviously they've been linked to dylan brooks they've been linked to brooke lopez Mm -hmm. at the time that we're recording this uh, they haven't signed anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I was seeing on TV, like RJ was like yelling about how they were going to make the playoffs next year. If they get Lopez and Van Vliet, I don't know that I would even go that far and we'll see if they get Lopez or not. It's, it's a, it's an extremely young team with some pretty obvious flaws and Van Vliet. While I think he will come in and help. I, I don't think he's about to, to patch everything together immediately. Yeah, if they did get Brooke Lopez, would that fundamentally change how you feel about the team in any way? Because I've seen some people on Twitter suggesting that, like, wow, this team could actually be pretty decent if they got both Van Vliet and Brooke Lopez. And I just look at the West and I'm like, who is the team in the West that you're very confident they would be better than, even with those two vets there? Oh, Miami's trading Victor Oladipo to Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. Recording this. Yeah. Wow. Homecoming for Vic. Interesting. Um That's wild. Yeah, I I I think it's going to be tough for the Rockets. No matter what. I think what will solve the Rockets problems more than anything is Jalen Green being really good next year and Jalen mm-hmm. Green figuring some things out. Otherwise, I think that it's it's too much pressure on the newcomers to kind of fix all the problems that are there internally. I think if like I think Shengun can come back and be a lot better in year three, and I think Jalen Green can too. And if if those two plus Van Vliet plus additional defensive pieces come in, then they can maybe do stuff. I but I also think that like the pressure to make the play in and make the playoffs is so tough. Like, are we for sure that they're better than Utah? No. Are we for no. sure that they're better than all these other teams in the West? The only team that I know for sure they'll be better than is probably San Antonio, but San Antonio just got one of the best prospects in the history of the NBA. Are we even sure that they're better than them? We're not positive, I don't think. That's the thing about the West. Like Nobody's going to be awful, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the thing, if they do get Lopez, then you're at least looking at a team that has some structure, and they have some structure... On both ends now. I mean, if you're talking about trying to defend the pick and roll, like uh, uh, having Van Vliet at the point of attack and, and Lopez being the big, like that's a pretty good place to start, at least. And then you just have to get the other guys to be sort of solid enough. The cool thing about Lopez, too, um, is, is he's a big, but he can space the floor, as we've seen in Milwaukee. You could even theoretically try to play him with Shangoon. Like offensively, I think that would be 
fine defensively. Yeah. Like, I don't know which one of those guys is guarding fours, but I mean, whatever, like you can at least like try different lineups with those guys. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to, as you said, they're going to need uh, internal development from their young guys. I think even like Jabari Smith, like he got, he got better over the course of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And like his starting point is not like he was a kind of a harmful player at the beginning of last season, but I don't think that's what he was quite at the end. And you give him another summer of work, get him some reps in summer league, all that stuff. Like, I mean, he could take a huge leap in, in year two. So I think there's like serious upside. They obviously had a really exciting draft, mostly because of, I think what those guys can be in a few years rather than this coming year. But I think, you know, just based on where they were last year, there's obviously a ton of room to grow and like, um getting van vliet is at least a start toward like finding some sort of coherent identity with the team and you know they're they're desperate to make the play in and the playoffs I, it's just as you said like so is everybody else in the west like the if san antonio elects to be really patient and slow play it even though they have this potentially like transcendent guy they just drafted then they'll be kind of the one team that, that isn't really pushing for it and if he's so great and I think defensively, like Wemby will be great right away. But if offensively he he turns out to be, you know, a, a guy that can kind of, you know, change the identity of the team just because of what he can sort of do as a role man and, and the rest of it, then like they might be like a play in adjacent by accident, even even if they're mm-hmm. not really pushing for it. Like it's the, the West is really, really, really crowded top to bottom. Oh, I'm glad you started with Van Vliet because I. I understand why people are looking mostly at the contract. It, it is very big. Um, I'm more interested in the opposite side of this deal, which is Toronto losing Fred Van Vliet yeah. for nothing. Um, what did you think about like their immediate response? Like immediately going out to get Dennis Schroeder um, as kind of like a stopgap, and kind of what what do you think is going on in Toronto right now? Like wh- how are they handling this? I, I not great. Um, it's been sort <laughs> yeah. of a slow erosion of talent in Toronto since since the championship. I mean, you can just mm-hmm. like count off the names that that have left for nothing. Like Ibaka and Gasol left for nothing. The same off season, like, and that was after Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green walked out the door. Kyle Lowry didn't leave for nothing, but they got Precious Achua back for him, and that was kind of it. Um, you know, Dragic didn't really turn into much either. Um, so. Yeah, I they they recovered, I guess, in getting Dennis Schroeder. I didn't love the value on that deal though, because they gave him like the full mid level for two years. That's more annually than like Gabe Vincent got. Uh, we just saw Monte Morris got traded uh, on a smaller value deal for just like one second round pick. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there were maybe other options. I I understand why they wanted to like just just because it was so bare. I mean, Malachi Flynn was the only guy on the roster that can play point guard at that point that they just wanted to sign somebody and they probably, you know, had that kind of in their back pocket. They knew they might lose Van Vliet to Houston today. Like that, that if, if we knew that they, they knew that. Um, yeah, but certainly. I, I didn't, I didn't love the Schroeder signing. Um, it just felt like kind of like, how can they recover somehow? Because they're clearly not blowing this up. They gave um, the bag to Pirtle. It seems like they're going to negotiate an extension with Gary Trent Jr. Um, it, this is not a like they're going to blow it up scenario, which is like why losing Van Vliet, even I think if you understand why they wouldn't go to that number. And I do understand that. I think most people mm-hmm. in Toronto, even people who have been like obsessively, you know, 
monitoring this, hoping that they would resign him. I think most people can take a step back objectively and just look at that number and all of the other salary that the Raptors have committed. The fact that Ananobi and Siakam, if they're going to stick around, are going to demand lucrative extensions soon. And they can kind of say, like, I get it. Um, But despite all of that, like to just get nothing for that guy, that guy who has been such a rock for them um, over the past few years, who they found undrafted off the scrap. He had to make the team in training camp developed into a champion, an all-star and to just let him walk after letting all those other guys walk. Like, I just, I, I just think it's a bummer. It's, it's not, it's not a good outcome in, in any way. That's not to say that there were these amazing trade packages available at the deadline where they could have recouped. If there was an amazing trade, I think they would have done it um, because they knew this, this was a possibility, but going from Van Vliet to having Schroeder on like a, a two year full MLE like that's it's not it's it's not ideal they're they're in a real weird sort of nebulous in between spot right now did did you buy into the argument of running it back like cuz after the trade deadline they bring in Pirtle and you know the, the some of the lineup data was good like the starting lineup i think in around 700 possessions was like a plus 9.1 did yeah. did you feel like you saw enough in that post All Star break period where you kind of understood the argument for running it back, or were you still were you still thinking about this team as like they still probably need to blow it up? I wasn't thinking blow it up. I was thinking run it back as in resign Pirtle, resign Van Vliet. Sure, because those guys worked incredibly well together. The moment that Pirtle stepped on the floor, Van Vliet became a much more more effective pick and roll player. They they had somebody who was pre- putting pressure on the rim. They also had a defensive anchor. Like they just got so much better on both ends the team just had no depth and they had this weird sort of log jam in in the front court with a bunch of players who were really good and talented but could not space the floor whatsoever so the the fit was clunky um i thought you know try to resign van vliet try to resign Pirtle, see what the market for trent is like and then you know either keep him or don't maybe it's a sign and trade whatever and then like look into trade options as well. I, I I did not think there was any chance they were going to just bring back the same like top six players that they had last year. It was right, too yeah. weird that the fit was too awkward. Um, I still think even now, like it will be kind of strange if Ananobi, Barnes, Siakam, and Pirtle are all, all starting um for the Raptors. They have a new coach who can, you know, like Darko comes with uh, you know, a background of like having a reputation of like being a really creative offensive coach. And he has a lot of cool ideas mm-hmm. and he talks about 0.5 basketball and all of this stuff. But like, if the spacing is trash, then the offense is going to be trash. Like that, that is kind of the modern NBA. Um, And the Raptors tried to kind of cheat that by going all in an offensive rebounding and transition play um, over the past few years. And I think that's just, kind of like that was their best option and if they don't fix the spacing issue then it's going to be their best option again and the spacing issue looks worse now because Schroeder is not the same kind of shooter as Van Vliet is and Grady Dick's a rookie he can shoot the hell out of it but I don't know how many minutes he's he's gonna play right in, in yeah. his first yeah. year in the NBA I, I saw a great uh a point from Anthony Doyle who writes for Raptors Republic making the point that you know, after this trade was made, there were a lot of Raptors fans saying, well, at least now, like, Scotty Barnes could get put, you know, in that lead initiator role, really see if, like, Scotty Barnes can be a point guard in the league. And he was pointing out, like, what sucks is that he doesn't even think the roster is good enough for developing Scotty because of that lack of shooting. Like, you're putting him in a difficult situation to develop those potential skills that are in there. 
Yeah, I mean, Scotty is a super talented playmaker, and I mean, he's played a lot of point guard in his life. Um, he was playing point guard in college, and he's done it for the Raptors on plenty of occasions. Um, but I think if you really want to see what he can do on that, and you want to put him in a situation that's conducive to success, like you want to get him some spacing out there, um, so he's not playing in a phone booth. And I just I think that's going to be really tough with the roster as it is. Like the the cool thing is like. It is, I mean, it's about to be July 1st. Uh, it's like 11.48 Eastern right now as we're recording this. So, like, the offseason is, like, barely started. Um, they could still make trades. There, there could still, um, the Raptors starting lineup next year might be, you know, something that makes sense to have Scotty Barnes start at point guard. But as we're looking at it right now, I I kind of don't see it. Like, to me, you're probably better off starting Schroeder. Um yeah the spacing still not going to be great, but I, I think it might be just a bit too much to ask for, for Barnes to kind of, you know, be the, the lead ball handler, number one creator um, with, with, you know, Siakam and hurdle as your, your four and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to pivot to the Lakers because I really like what they did today and getting Gabe Vincent, getting Torian Prince, just adding these like extremely competent role players around LeBron and AD that you just know what they're going to do. Not necessarily big names, but guys that are just going to play hard, play the right way. They're just like slowly building a real basketball team (laughs) in Los Angeles. That was kind of just like this weird, like NBA sideshow for a while where it's like, let's get every name we can onto this roster and just see how it works. And it just didn't work. Now it's like, let's go the other direction. <laughs> let's just, let's get just role players around these guys. And you saw it work to get them to the West conference finals. Now they were swept, but I think that they're on their way to really improving this roster. Uh, James, what did you think about the Lakers today? Yeah, I mean, they got competent role players, two-way guys. Um, they got them good value, too. That's the thing. They didn't even have to go and overpay these guys. What, they they gave Torian Prince, like, the equivalent of the biannual exception, um, like, four and a half million for one year. Fantastic. Um, when yeah. when he was cut, I kind of thought, oh, somebody could just claim him, maybe, like, seven million, whatever. Like, that that could be all right. Like, Lakers yeah. didn't have to do that. Um, they got him for, like, four and a half. Um, Gabe Vincent, I mean, I was already compared it to the shooter deal like he, he's making less annually after um the playoff run that he had that's awesome i mean he is going to be an upgrade um defensively at point guard and then we've seen that that guy i mean spo loves to use the word ignitable um uh, he was one of those ignitable guys with the heat <laughs> where just any random night he could just hit like five threes and change a playoff game um and he's a tough guy like i just i i think that just makes perfect sense they can still theoretically like you know, I'm everybody. They're obviously going to bring back Austin Reeves, no matter the cost. Um, mm-hmm. There remains to be seen what they'll do with D'Lo. But like in theory, they could have all of those guys. And that's fine. Like Vincent can either start or come off the bench. He can kind of like he's sort of a combo guard. He can his role changed a lot, not only over the past few years with the Heat, but like during last season like depending on on who was available like he would seemed like he was kind of like a caretaker point guard 
um, for a while. And then like, you know, hero gets hurt and, you know, they're like a long time when, when Lowry wasn't in the lineup and then he starts being sort of what he used to be years ago um, when he was kind of like had a, a different identity um, before he got in that heat system, um, which was like his whole life. He was a scorer and he just went back to doing that. And that was cool. So I dig it. I think it's like a really like normal, sensible moves um, for a franchise that, as you said, like in years past, sometimes they're just kind of grasping the, the big name, the, the shiny object in front of them. I want to ask you about another West team because after they made the Brad Beal trade, there became this like very interesting conversation about Phoenix. Like, how are they going to fill out this roster with minimum contracts? And they came out firing right when it hit <laughs> 3, p- 3 p.m. <laughs> out, out here on the Pacific Coast. Like, they got Josh Kogi obviously bringing him back, Chemezi Metu, Yuta Watanabe, Keita Bates Jop. Drew Eubanks, Damian Lee, they've filled out their roster uh, very quickly. And I'm just kind of interested in what you thought about some of those signings. Do you feel like there is enough there to start making you feel more comfortable about their depth? Yeah. Utah was the guy that I was like hoping they would sign. Just mm-hmm. it's like it's it makes too much sense. Like yeah. just prototypical three and D guy, um, you know, he was in Brooklyn last year. And just from the beginning of the season, he was just like on fire and it didn't stop. He he was actually weirdly not mm-hmm. in the rotation at the end of the year, because yeah. despite the fact that he has a skill set that would get him like rotation minutes on like virtually any team you could imagine, the nets were somehow for a team that was like pretty mediocre, just overloaded with like six, eight, three and D guys. Um, so Yuta ended up getting, getting squeezed out, but that's precisely what Phoenix needed. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the guy starts um, for the Suns next year. It wouldn't surprise me if he averages like 25, 30 minutes per game, as long as he's shooting late, like he did last year. I mean, that's a super productive NBA player. He's long. He competes defensively. He's like a connector on offense. Like he can like, you know, attack a closeout and make the, like make the right passing reads and stuff like that too. It was just before he got to Brooklyn, you know, he had like a decent shooting year in Toronto and then he had like a terrible one and his confidence was down. Um, but he got through that. Like last year, he was just shooting with absolutely no fear. He had like his teammates are telling him to shoot every single time. One of those teammates was Kevin Durant. Um, it it just that that signing of all of them, like I, I think that could be for what I assume is a minimum deal. I haven't seen the numbers, but that's literally all the Suns can offer. Um, yeah. that, that That's about as as much as you can hope for. Um, it's just a hand-in-glove fit. And the rest of them, I mean, you know, like, will Josh Okoge be like, will he survive the playoff crucible in the, in the second round? Like, I, if he's not making shots, I don't know. Like, we know exactly what the problems are, but he was an extremely important part of their regular season rotation Last year, he started a ton of games for them and they didn't have to pay that much to, to bring him back and kind of go up and down the list. Like these are role players that that make sense for them. Damian Lee can space the floor. Eubanks is, I, I guess, the new Jock Landale. Fine. Like I have, I have no problem with any of it. Did, did you have a strong opinion on on them pulling Jock Land- Landale's qualifying offer and then shifting I was to surprised. Drew Eubanks? <laughs> I, I didn't have a strong opinion on that, but Landale is one of my favorite, like, under the radar free agent that is available right now. Like I, yeah. I really loved what he did in the playoffs. If I were looking for a backup big, um, that would be a name I, I'd be looking at. I just, I mean, well, I guess we'll have to see what his, what his market was. Maybe he was trying to parlay the, the, you know, the offensive rebounds that he was getting against Denver into a big raise. And the, the Suns were just like, well, we, we have, we have drew Eubanks sitting right here. 
What percentage of Suns fans will know that Drew Eubanks and Jacques Landale are two different people? <laughs> uh, Just a question. Like a, uh, like a third? Is that okay? That sound yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there will be a lot of Suns fans that will be sitting down in seats, be like, "Oh yeah, he was great for us last year." Uh, I'm just, dis- I'm disappointed because yeah. uh, you know Drew Eubanks used to be on the Blazers, and he's from Troutdale, yeah. which is right out here, and his nickname is the Shack of Troutdale, and it made it was great when he was part of the Blazers, and I don't know if the Shack of Tra- Troutdale means as much. Uh, he's in Phoenix. <laughs> it definitely does, definitely does not. But th- that that is that is definitely disappointing. Uh, okay. How do we feel about the Kyrie Irving player option? And that might have been one of the most surprising things to me today that you see Kyrie kind of go through everything that he has over the past few years and the teams that have gone through everything with Kyrie. And I just did not imagine that there would be this giant player option waiting for him. But I think he went to the exact right team to get it. I'm not sure there was another team in the NBA that was going to give him everything he wanted, including a player option on a massive three-year deal. Well, it, at least like it was a little less than his max. I will say that like Dallas, I think probably didn't want to give him that third year. And then maybe that was kind of the consolation. Like they go a little bit down. They're still paying him a ton of money. Let's be clear. It's, it's still, yeah. Contract still starting plus like million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think a starting salary is like 38 something. Um, but could have been significantly more than that, right? So, like, that was a little bit... I think he's making a little bit less than he did last year, actually, um, which was not really what I expected. But then they gave him the mm-hmm. extra year, and that's, that's, that is what he wanted. I think, I think what he really wanted was the full boat, like, full years, full max, everything. Yeah. Um, I, I think he ended up signing something pretty similar to what the Nets were offering in an extension, which caused him to demand a trade and was maybe he was maybe going to threaten to sit out so that's interesting it's it's poetry (laughs) yeah but look i mean the mavs were in a really tough spot if it was the kind of thing where um if they lose him it is a complete catastrophe now how would they have lost him i don't know because there wasn't really a market for him despite all the reports of the different teams that he <laughs> was meeting going to meet oh. with yeah that, <laughs> really those... quick meetings happened today yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> i i think the leverage that he had was just like the mavs didn't have a great plan b so yeah they end up doing this i doubt they're super thrilled about the three years but i think they at least get to breathe a sigh of relief that they they didn't just lose him because that would have been a whole other um kind of storm to deal with tomorrow if if Kyrie had somehow just walked out the door. I want to ask you about uh, a deal that I just haven't seen a lot of people talking about. And maybe I overrate this player just because I watched how he shut down SGA, or at least, I mean, as much as you can shut down SGA. But Herb Jones got an incredibly reasonable deal. Four years, I think it was like $54 and. Mm Obviously, they made him an unrestricted free agent. And just with all these teams out there who had space, teams like you know Houston and whoever, I was yeah. just surprised that he got such a reasonable deal. Do you think that that is he is being properly paid, or or do you see that as kind of a a, a, a him getting underpaid? I think it depends. If you would ask me, I believe that's the most they could offer. By the way, right? But somebody else could have done like a poison pill contract. To him. Yeah, like yeah. if like San Antonio had come in and just said we're going to steal him from you or mm-hmm, or whatever, mm-hmm. then then yeah, sure. Um, 
I guess just because he was a, it was a little bit of a disappointing year last year for Herb Jones compared to his rookie year. Like um, the shooting was pretty rough. Um, I, I think the defense at times was a little inconsistent rather than just being all world the entire time. Like it was mm-hmm. um, in his rookie year. Um, but I guess it's like, you know, when I saw it, my initial reaction was like, well, that's, that's a low number for Herb yeah. Jones. And then I kind of step back and I think, all right, like 35th pick a couple of years ago, you tell me he's signing for $54 million. Like, that's pretty awesome. That's like, that's a cool story. But that was before he played an NBA game. Like after his first year, I would have thought that this man is going to get absolutely paid. Like he has <laughs> yeah. some playmaking upside. His three point shot doesn't look great, but the numbers weren't like terrible. Um, as a rookie, you think maybe he, he develops that, um, other guys have done that specifically with the Pelicans. Um, and then defensively, he's just a monster. Like he can guard virtually anybody in the NBA aside from like the, the biggest centers. Um, and he does it. I mean, it's on ball off ball. Um, he does it really physically, but he doesn't commit a ton of fouls. Like he gets in passing lanes. He just point of attack, like chasing shooters, everything. Like he, he's just one of those guys like at his best, he is like all defense caliber, um, like Mm -hmm. kind of just obviously. Um, so after that first year, I thought, yeah, he'll probably get like as much as you can, you can get, um, when he hits free agency. Um, but it's sort of a timing thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think, he was risking. He comes into his third year. He shoots terribly. Um, maybe his minutes aren't what what he hopes. Um, and then he ends up in a worse position than he is now. This gives him the long term security. And then I think from the Pelicans' end of it, like I think it's just smart. Like I think that's really really good value. But I can also understand like why Herb Jones would would take it after the year that he had. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, moment of silence real quick. The uh, the Thunder are no longer paying Kyle Singler, who they stretched years ago. So moment of silence for oh, wow. Kyle Singler. Can okay. we have one for, for Nick Batum and, and Charlotte as well? Finally off the oh, book. Yeah. Shout out. Yes. One one for Nick Batum. I was, <laughs> when I was doing trivia, I was actually remembering. I went back through all the 2016 uh, contracts. I, I'd mm-hmm. kind of forgotten how big that one was. The, the five-year yeah. 120. Yeah. Well, that, those are special times. Very special times. <laughs> very, very special. Uh, any, anything else that, that has stuck out to you today? Uh, we didn't really talk about Bruce Brown and his fit with the Pacers and maybe where the Pacers are headed. You know, there's uh, rumors about them acquiring Obi Toppin yeah. at some point. Maybe that happens or doesn't by the time you're listening to this. But the Pacers are clearly trying to win next year. Uh, and I'm really intrigued to see how all these pieces fit. I love the fit. I mean, I think they still have room to maybe consolidate a little more. Maybe it's just finally trading Buddy Heald, uh, for example. They just have a ton of mm-hmm. guys like, I mean, something like six rotation players between 6'4 and 6'6 six, six right now. Um I think they can just play him with Halliburton and Nemhard right away. If you have him and Nemhard on the court, like those guys, they're guards, but they can kind of guard threes. Sometimes they can guard fours. Like they're, they're really strong. Um, Bruce Brown is like, he's here partially because of his ability to guard up. We saw it in Brooklyn. We certainly saw it in Denver. Um, and I think he's on a team where he can kind of do all the things that, that we've seen the past two years. Like what, what was cool about the Denver era version of Bruce Brown is you saw the like 
downhill driving guy. You saw the catch and shoot guy. And you also saw in pockets the like screen setter and the cutter. Clearly, you saw the cutter like playing with Jokic that like you can just get so many layups doing that. And he was awesome in that role. And then defensively, I mean, that's that's part of why. I mean, that's probably the main reason why Denver wanted him last year. Um, they wanted to get that point of attack defense where where they needed it to be. Um, and that's clearly the attraction for Indy. I mean, the Pacers are one of the, I think they have the 26th ranked defense last year. Offensively, they're going to be fine. Like, I think um, he will fit in just like as well as you would sort of want for a, a wing on that team, a sort of low usage wing, but he can also when Halliburton's on the bench, like you can have him run the show a little bit. Um, he's not the only guy that can make plays. I mean, um, you can have Nemhard kind of like they can just sort of be interchangeable in, in the second unit. It'll be interesting to see how they find minutes for everybody else. I mean, Ben Matherin's an important part of mm-hmm. their future. Aaron Neesmith yeah. looked looked all right for them after after they got him. Um, it, it obviously makes sense they got rid of Duarte. I mean, the guy was already getting squeezed and now they bring in Bruce Brown. So it's an interesting team. I think they're going to be a lot more balanced just due to to his presence. And that was that was sort of what the Nuggets were thinking when they got him last year too. Like this is just it, it's the same idea. It's just they're they're building from very different places, right? So like the, the Pacers want to get from like hey, when they're healthy, they're respectable to like when they're healthy, they're a playoff team. And maybe they can do that, but there are a bunch of teams in the East that are thinking the same. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Well, James, uh, thank you for answering all of our free agency questions. It is now time to play Andrew versus the beat, our weekly trivia show. And this week 
very special. It's a free agency edition. All the questions Ooh. are about free agencies of years past. And uh, I've come up with eight of them. And James, you're going to give me a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. And we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, I just need a number between one and eight. Four. Question number four. In 1998, this player became the first unrestricted free agent in NBA history when he signed with a new team. Who was it? And if you don't know, I will, I'm willing to give you half points if uh, you want me to give you the team that he signed for. So this is, in NBA history, he is, he is kind of uh, given this title of first unrestricted free agent ever. Yeah, I need the team. The team is the Phoenix Suns. 1998. 1998, Ugh. Phoenix Suns. Tom Gugliotta. That is incorrect. Right, Andrew, I knew it was incorrect. You have a chance to steal. 1998. 1998. Phoenix Suns. Uh, you were in sixth grade, I believe. <laughs> we were at the same uh, school. You were. <laughs> <laughs> you were. <laughs> so, wow. What is that supposed to mean? Um, holy smokes. Um, became the first unrestricted free agent. I feel like we should know this. <laughs> feels like, I, like a, this it like just feels like it should be common knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I felt kind of dumb that I didn't know this. I, For some like just the idea yeah. that unrestricted didn't even exist until 1998 that they always had to like sign with their original team and then were traded. Never realized that. Uh any guesses Andrew? 1998 Phoenix Suns? No. I just don't. I just uh, I just don't know. I, I know You know what? I, I know Jason Kidd was on those teams, but I just don't remember when he joined or how that happened. Mm-hmm. I think it was a trade. I think so I just I thought know. that there were unrestricted free agents before that is my problem. Uh that is also what I thought. Yeah. Uh so you got the first All name right. right, James. Uh the correct name is Tom Chambers. Uh oh, Chambers. Favorite of wow, Lee God. Ellis. From the uh, 1986. Crazy Hungary. dunker. Crazy dunker. Uh, okay, Andrew, uh, board is yours. <sighs> Number one. How many teams did LeBron James meet with during free agency in the summer <laughs> of 2010? You don't have to tell me the teams, just a number. How many teams did he meet with? Oh, my. Summer of okay. 2010. James, four? James is counting on his fingers. Andrew guesses four. That is. Incorrect. James, you have a chance to steal. I can think of four, and but I know four is wrong. Um, <laughs> but I can think of at least four, so... Uh, I know, that's... <laughs> that's five? Like. I'll, I'll go with five. Well, you should have guessed one more. It was six. Oh, oh. He met, who, was, who were the four that you guys... I, I bet they were the same. I mean, uh, Cleveland, Cavs, Miami. Clippers. Yeah, oh, Cleveland, Miami. The Knicks, Clippers. the Bulls. Knicks, yeah, Bulls, Knicks, Bulls. Uh, Nets were the uh, Nets. Oh, that that was the like. I'm gonna do it to be nice. The Nets meeting. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that now. To be nice. <laughs> Is that what he said? Was that the quote? That was. I think the reporting was like it was sort of like like just a favor. Jay Z was in the meeting and like oh yeah, right, okay, it wasn't okay, like okay. serious. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. the Nets were serious, but it was sort of like a courtesy meeting. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, I should have known that. Okay. That's Z- when we thought the Jay Z thing was really going to matter. That it was going to change yes. everything. Got him a meeting. Uh, okay, James uh, zero zero. Uh, the board is yours. <sighs> two. Question number two. Okay, we are going to try to name the top ten biggest free agent contracts for a player switching teams. So I'm going to give you the first one. I'm going to give you number one. It was Kevin Durant in 2019. Okay, he signed with Brooklyn. Four years, 164 million. And I'm looking for that 164 million. So he was the number one highest contract for a free agent switching teams. Okay. We're going to try to name the other nine. I don't need the numbers. I just need the players' names. So James is going to give me a name and then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth. So think so think of like big name free agents who switch teams and we're given uh Large yeah, but they contracts? have to sign like long-term, yeah, large contracts. Yeah, yeah. Because um, how long did? Because Kawhi didn't sign for that long, so it can't. Oh my god. Um, I mean, Van Vliet might be up there now. Sheesh. Uh, you know but, who actually is up there now? Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Grant. He is on this list now. Oh, that yeah, he has to. Be. Oh wait, oh wait, no, he didn't switch a team. Sorry, he doesn't count. Oh yeah, the guy who switched teams. Um, oh my goodness I just need to get one switch teams um, it is so hard just because so much of the recent player movement has just been trade 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 yeah and so right, you're trying right. to think yeah like, think of uh, free agency like Harden summers. was traded every time Um, Paul George was traded mm-hmm. um, it's surprisingly Le- tough uh LeBron? He's number two. When yes. he went to the Lakers in 2018, that deal was second only behind KD. Okay, Andrew. Oh, well, that was what I was going to say, was LeBron. Oh, too Sorry. Um, who has switched teams? It sounds easy, but it isn't. And, and uh, yeah, I will say... Uh, I'm going to feel so dumb. This does include sign-in trades. Oh, Oh, okay. That doesn't help me as much as it's helping James right now, <laughs> well, obviously. It, it might be helping me. I, we have to get there first. <laughs> uh, is Jalen Brunson one of them? Uh, Andrew, Jalen Brunson is not one of them, which means James okay. gets the points. Uh, number t- uh, three, Jimmy Butler to Miami. That was one of the sign and trades. Yeah. Uh, Kemba Walker uh, to Boston. Is number four. Oh, wow, Kemba. Yeah, Kyrie to Brooklyn with KD in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then back to back, Gordon Hayward to Boston, Gordon Hayward to Charlotte. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, he made a lot of money. Uh, Shaq to Seriously. LA in '96 made the list. Richard Lewis to Orlando in 2007 made the list. And the final oh. one, number ten, D'Angelo Russell to the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> in 2019. Oh my God! Signing trade. Shout out to uh, Shaq. You had to make a lot of money in 96 to still be on this list now. That's yeah, amazing. to make the list yes. still? And there's a uh, there's a sh- another Shaq question on here. Uh, Andrew, maybe you wow. will pick it out. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. You're picking. Uh, okay. My pick, three. This is the Shaq question. In 1996, the Orlando Sentinel did a poll of Magic fans asking them whether free agent Shaquille O'Neal was worth... 115 million dollars 
What percentage of Magic fans said no, believing that Shaq was not worth that much money? Now, Andrew, you get to choose who answers first. So you can make James answer first, and then you can go higher or lower, Mm. or you can answer first. So these are Magic fans who said he was not worth $115 million. I, I know I've seen this before, but I don't know that I remember the percentage. I know that it was like laughable, um, mm, you, but I don't remember how high it was. I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pre- I think it's pretty high if I'm remembering right. Why are you saying all this out loud? <laughs> I don't You're know. just helping James. Just, just thinking <laughs> as I stare at my sh- my signed Shaquille O'Neal uh, Phoenix Suns Bragger. jersey. Bragger. Um <laughs> Uh, uh the, the number I can't get out of my head is 83%. So 83%. 83%. So James, you get to go higher or lower than 83%. I'm going to go lower. Correct answer was 90% of what? Magic Fest. I knew it was like crazy <laughs> and it's crazier like every day that passes. It just becomes more and more crazy. 90%. Just, you just keep Shaq. 90%. You just keep Shaq. Your whole life changes. Just and he and he really didn't want to leave Orlando. They kind of like forced him, it, and LA was like, "Yeah, we'll pay you what, what, whatever you want." Yeah, I thought the number would be high just because I thought like, what is your average kind of fan back then? Like, how do they feel about like professional athletes making a lot of money and like, yeah, also yeah, that that's definitely money, shifted now. Yeah, yeah, and like that money, like that would just be like a lot higher now. Um, but still, like I was thinking it would be in the sixties or something. And that to me would still be like, wow, like people were being jerks. Um, but no, 90%. (laughs) So dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you like to keep Shaq or just go into the wilderness for uh, a half decade? (laughs) Um, okay. James score is tied. Four questions left. I'll go with seven. Question number seven, which of the following people did not appear on a shirt the Clippers made for Blake Griffin's free agency Ooh. with the word pioneers on it. Okay, so I'm going to give you five <laughs> names. Four uh, of these names did appear on the t-shirt. One of them did not. The names okay. are Gandhi, Buzz Aldrin, Martin Luther King Jr., JFK, Albert Einstein. JFK. That is... Incorrect. JFK really? was on the shirt. Uh, JFK was on the shirt. I, I love that <laughs> shirt. That is the name I went to too. I was so confident because I've I've spent a lot of time yeah. t- talking about that shirt, thinking about that shirt. <laughs> but I thought those other four were really on it. Man. Wow, Andrew, uh, you're gonna have to go with the okay. second one. So it's Gandhi, Buzz Aldrin, Gandhi, Buzz Aldrin, Martin Luther King Jr., or Albert Einstein. Oh man. I'm so disappointed in myself. You have no idea. <laughs> I'll say Albert Einstein, but I don't. I just don't remember. That is also remember. incorrect. He was on the shirt. Was, it was, was Buzz, Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin. Oh my god! Another uh, wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna All buy right. you guys this shirt because I, as I was finding it, you can still buy it online. Twenty dollars and ninety nine cents. All the way up to a. Oh really? And you can get I'm up surprised to six, I haven't bought that shirt already. You can get it in six XL size if you want. Buzz it. Aldrin. Wow. I'm so glad I said, but I actually asked someone, our friend Luke, to help me about what fake name I should do, and he said Buzz Aldrin. And it, Luke, Luke killed it. That was killed just it. shout out, shout out, L man, man on that one. Um, wow. Okay, Andrew, three questions left, still tied. 
Okay. Question five. I still can't even fathom how I got two questions right during this because I feel like I've gotten everything wrong. Uh, well, you know, you, go you got one question. Yeah. Um, when the Cavs made their free agency pitch to LeBron in 2010, Cavs owner Dan Snyder, that's not his name. Mm-mm. That's the Washington. <laughs> Gilbert. It was, it was close. That was the Washington. <laughs> uh, Dan Gilbert had a video commissioned in the style of this cartoon that made jokes about the other teams courting LeBron. So Dan Gilbert, he had a video commissioned for their kind of free agency pitch in the style of this cartoon to make jokes about other teams courting LeBron. Any guesses, Andrew? I don't know. I don't know this. I'll just say uh, the the Peanuts, but I don't know this. The Peanuts. <laughs> the classic show, yeah. The Peanuts. Uh, that is incorrect. James, do you know? I believe it was Family Guy. James, that is absolutely correct for one Wow. And James has pulled ahead. Two questions left. And James, you have control of the board. My Uh. self-esteem, it has returned. Uh, (laughs) I'll go with six. (laughs) All right. Question number six. Rank these 2016 free agents from biggest contract to smallest contract. Okay, so these are all guys who got... Uh, deals in 2016, and we're just going by the total amount. I don't know if that any of these guys had options. Maybe they did, but we're just oh, talking so about total, the- not like per, not like annual. Yeah, yeah, just total initially reported, like four okay. or whatever. Um, the names are Kent Bazemore, Jan Mahinmi, Joachim Noah, <laughs> oh, and Alan Crab. Oh boy, so that was Crab Noah Mahinmi. Bazemore. I feel like Mahimi was like 64. I feel like Crab was like in the 80s. Noah Noah was a lot. Noah was like 90 years. Baze was Baze was also a ton though. <laughs> okay. I didn't put see. Evan Turner on this list, but I remember calling my Blazers friend to break the news to him, and it was uh, one of the best days of my life. One of the worst <laughs> days of his life. All right. I'm going to... Oh, I'm nervous about this. Okay. So am I ranking him from the most money down? Like number one is... The... Uh, yeah. Highest to lowest. All right. Highest. Okay. I'll go... Baysmore, Noah, Crab, Mahimi. James... That is incorrect. Andrew, uh, you have a chance to steal. You could tie the game here if you can put those four names in order. Once again, it's uh, Bazemore, okay. Mahinmi, Crab, and Noah. Crab. I'm going to be so bad at this. Crab, Noah, Bazemore, Mahinmi. Was there another one? No, that was, was that, that all was four. That was four. Those were the four guys. Um, Andrew, that is absolutely correct. Wow. <gasps> Crab. Wow. Alan Crabb, four for 75. Joachim Noah, four for 73. Kent Bazemore, four <laughs> for 70. And James, you nailed it. Jan Mahinmi, four for 64. Wow. Those were that so was close. Me. <laughs> that was me basically just remembering what their names were and reciting them back to you. <laughs> all right, Andrew, This it, co- it all comes down to this. The final question, oh. you guys are tied three to three. If you get this question right, you will win the week. Okay. During the DeAndre Jordan free agency saga of 2015, a tsunami of emojis was started 
when Chandler Parsons, who was helping to recruit Jordan to Dallas, tweeted this emoji. It's very funny watching you have Chandler to do this Parsons. at like 11.30 at night. This is how you're spending your Friday night, trying to remember what emoji did Chandler <laughs> Parsons tweet out in 2015. Uh, oh, what did Chandler Parsons tweet out? I just don't feel like I know my emojis that well. Yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah. I feel like I could know my, my emojis a lot better. Um, gosh, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. Don't know. Maybe like a little vehicle, maybe a little vehicle or an airplane. What, what's your final guess? An airplane. Andrew, that is absolutely correct. And Andrew has wow. won yes. the week. It was wow. a plane emoji because he was flying back to Dallas to try to steal DeAndre back Away from the God, that feels so good. Clippers that feels and so Lakers. good. Congratulations, Andrew. Thank you. That was that was very wow. impressive. The last two answers, I especially. How. I don't know how I pulled off either one of those. It's very clutch. Answers, very, to be it's honest. very clutch trivia. Oh, feels that feels good. James, can you tell us what you have been working on? What our our listeners should be reading from you at CBS Sports? Yeah, I mean, right now. I'm mostly going to be just writing about free agency and stuff, but um, off of the draft, I wrote a few stories, one of which went up today on Kaysen Wallace of the Thunder, um, a player I know is close to your heart, um, specifically. Right. And I also did some, I did a Leonard Miller story and I did an Omax Prosper story too. Oh, I really like Omax Prosper. Just like the person. Like he's, yeah. <laughs> he's a joy. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he is. He's amazing. Uh, go follow James on Twitter at Outside the NBA and go read his stuff at CBS Sports. James, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. A great performance on trivia. You came through like Fred Van Vliet, game Ooh. six, the 2019 final. <laughs> <laughs>